Um, all right, we're rolling. Uh, all right, what's up, guys? Welcome to, and I haven't told Ramsey this yet. Ramsey is the producer of this podcast. Producer Ram Dog is what I'm going by. <laughs> producer Ram Dog, uh, you're, you're, you're not going to see his face yet. One day we'll do a face reveal. Uh, someday. If once they've earned it, I'll step my face. You guys can see my face. But at this point, without a Patreon, I don't think I could do it. You know what's funny is that probably everyone who's already listening or watching this podcast knows who you are because they're probably all here from me, boys. <laughs> It's probably very true. They're going to be so excited to hear my voice. Hopefully it'll grow, but right now it's probably a subsection of the, of the Meat Voice fans um, or from, you know, my old podcast. But this is a new podcast and mm-hmm. uh, the title of it is uh, Everything Hurts. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it's what I used to. I used to um, talk about it with one of my best friends that that was going to be the title of my autobiography because just, uh, you know, life and, and, and physically my back and my neck. It's one of the places, and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't lend my services out too frequently to people. Uh-huh. One of the things, one of the reasons why I was uh, happy to do it for you is because I think everything hurts. It's probably the thing that has connected us as long <laughs> as I've known you. Is the go like, I know. Well, I, every time I look at you, I feel like I have somebody that I can complain about pain to. <laughs> And I mean that positively. Well, you know what's funny? We do talk about that in this episode of like being the person that when someone's like, hey, how are you? That you're like, oh, fuck, fucking life sucks and whatever. And that you don't want to be that guy. But I am that guy. It's fine. I'm that guy. The the thing that I think you're, and of course, by the way, can I say this as an outside observer? Episode one, uh, just fire. It's going to be such a great episode. I'm so excited. I mean, don't build it up too much. No, wanna, I'm like know. Trump about shit. Like, like this <laughs> is what I learned from Trump is that like you got to like just get into it, you know? Yeah. But it was a really fun episode. But you will learn that it's not about being that guy. It's fine to be that guy. Just yeah. know you're that guy. Yeah. Know you're that guy. I hate, you know, I hate Halloween. Uh-huh. I just don't go out on Halloween. That's just it. I'm not going to go out and like bitch at people about how I hate Halloween. Just stay right. home. Yeah. Yeah. So. I do like staying home. It's one of my favorite things. It rules. Yeah. <laughs> staying home fucking rules. This is uh, this is the Everything Hurts podcast. It's a new one, whatever. Uh, for the first episode, we did have Gary Peterson, who's one of like just the funniest comics and one of my really, really good friends. Um, also someone who just understands that the world sucks and everything sucks. And uh, we also just spent a lot of time complaining to each other. I think when me and Gary became friends, we were both going through breakups and we were just like complaining about uh, our breakups and our exes and um, who are both perfectly lovely people <laughs> um, who I think we're both friends with now. But uh, um, we were both going through breakups and just complaining about life and, uh, you know, also doing some hot riffs because Gary's a hot riffer. Gary's you know? a hot, hot riffer. I did not know that Gary didn't think that I liked him when we first met, but I love Gary. Can I say this is kind of a surprising episode? I don't know Gary very well, uh, but I know the legend of Gary. It's interesting because I feel like he's friends with a lot of your friends. So my assumption of him, because he's friends with so many of my dirtbag friends. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, Gary's probably like a real big ball buster. He's from Boston. Yeah. All we learned about him in this episode, well, we learned a lot about him in this episode, but great dad is one of the things that we really, I think, concluded here. He's going to be a great dad. Um, we learned about the, the people that inspire him. Should we leave that a surprise? Yeah, let's leave that a surprise. We'll leave that a surprise. <laughs> yeah, but, um, it's not who you think it's going to be. <laughs> when I say a comedian from Boston is inspired by somebody, I don't think you're going to guess it, 
who Gary's inspired by. Yeah. Uh, The only, like this person I'm, I'm inspired to, uh, fucking jack off when I see him, but, uh, (laughs) do women say jack off? I, I've heard chicks will say jerk off sometimes and I, I go back and forth between whether I like it or not. I kind of like it when a chick says jerk off, but I kind of yeah. don't like it. And I'm not sure. Have you ever? Because I do say, I say jack off, but I do, I do say jerk off. But like, I do picture this when, you know. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's not what we do. No. But I hate all the other terms for it. Like, they're like, oh yeah. Say like, you're playing the DJ, diddling your <laughs> skittle. Flicking the bean. Flicking the bean. I hate that. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Yuck. Either. I'm not a bean dude. Yeah. So it always was like a weird... <laughs> It was a weird also, thing. like it just it just that paints the image of just like doing that like and yeah and and I don't want to give guys the illusion that that's what you do because I feel like a lot of guys would just start flicking it like it's a bop it game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although you know what, bop it could have been more useful that way. Bop it could have taught people how to finger in a more but that's uh, a different yeah. Act. They should have they should have a bop it that teaches men <laughs> yeah, how to make women come. <laughs> I would love. I would give that to my son on his thirteenth birthday yeah, after that, the bar mitzvah. Uh, be like, uh, yeah, fucking. What would those be? Uh, there's flick it. There's lick it. Flick it. Lick it. Uh, it's a, spit on it. <laughs> Just don't do this thing. Yeah. Don't, don't do that thing. Well, that's all we know. <laughs> I'm if sorry. You, if you're going to do that, just do it with your dick. Mm, I see. Okay. All right. You know? Okay. <laughs> the point of the fingers is that you can curve it. And you get and the, of like, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how we're starting this song. <laughs> so Gary was an amazing yeah. first guest. <laughs> to be honest with you, if I, I would love to be introed with, with fingering techniques. Yeah. You know what? I think, you know what? I think Gary's a guy who probably knows how to finger. A sensitive guy knows how to finger. True. You know, and Gary's a sensitive guy. He's a guy who doesn't take shortcuts because, like, I can tell when a guy's not good at fingering. I can tell when they're that guy. (laughs) I can see the eyes. Fourth Red Bull in, you're like, (laughs) he's one of these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) If I was a dude, I'd probably be that guy. I'm a Red Bull guy. I'm a Red Bull guy. I am that guy. So, you know, God bless the the old lady who lives with me. Yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's how I'm going to describe her. (laughs) The old lady who lives with you. Oh, Red Bull is so gross, but so great. I have four day. I I used to get, well, I used to. I definitely stopped that because I felt like, like my heart, especially when I, when I, which we talked about on this episode, when I got diagnosed with ADD and I started being prescribed Adderall, I could not take Adderall Mm -hmm. and have four Red Bulls. Well, you were doing the four Red Bulls because you didn't have the Adderall. Exactly. So self-medicate. That's the funny thing about the energy drink thing is when you see people drink, there's this like douchebag kind of thing around it. But in actuality, it's like, it's actually a mentally ill person trying to treat themselves. It's self-medicating. Most of the times, it's a guy who's depressed and his dad told him the depression is gay. Yeah. So now he's drinking Rockstar. Yeah. (laughs) You know, for a day. Like, he's just like, I don't know why I'm tired all the time and I need all these fucking energy drinks. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a get on Prozac. That's, um... Basically. Yeah. I did. I did used to have this thing. I still kind of do where I'm like, I'm fucking tired all the time. And how are people not tired all the time? How do people get through life and not have to take five naps a day? I have no idea, but I have uh, horrendous news. What's that? <laughs> the beginning, this like awesome intro that we did, uh-huh. no video was recorded. All right. But we got all the audio. 
Okay. So I don't know what to do so, with that. <laughs> so we re-record it with me just lip syncing to that. <laughs> Welcome to the couch. Thank you. Do you like it? I, I feel like it's it. a ballsy move for me to do a white couch. Why? I, I am bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're starting I'm, this out. I'm bleeding from my nose uh, recently. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Didn't you tell... Why, why was that? I sneezed and uh, it was... My friend was like, I'm going to go get us a table at this uh, French place. And then I was like, yeah, uh, let me just wipe my nose. And then there was blood everywhere all over my face. Oh. And I was like, I can't walk into pancakes like this. I feel like someone told me a much more interesting nosebleed story recently. I thought it was that one, but it, uh, it, it, it was, was just I sneezed. It was gang related. <laughs> <laughs> someone uh, fucked my nostril. And I <laughs> I w- let me, can I, can I take that nosebleed story again? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> It's done. <laughs> That's fine. You look great. You Thank get the boots. you. I do. I have knee-high boots. Here's the thing. I used to, I did have, I had a podcast before. Sure. Didn't do video, but now we got to do video because it's what the people want. Yeah. You know? And that was uh, WTF with Mark Marin. That was you? That was, yeah. That was my, <laughs> that was my podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, now I got, I got a video. So I, I have to actually have to like look presentable actually like after a few episodes i'll probably be like fuck that and i'll be in sweats but like <laughs> for, the, for the first few i'm gonna like put my best foot forward yeah until the listeners get more comfortable with me right now we're in a new relationship where i'm like on my best behavior sure. acting like i'm not crazy i've got the knee-high boots on but you know after after a few episodes i'm gonna be like a year into the relationship i'm gonna be farting in front of them but for now you're gonna Eat off a night. I'm doing my makeup, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're 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 visiting here because you live in Boston now, which you're not happy about. Really, I'm not happy about it. This is my intervention. This is I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to move back to LA. Um, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I love Boston. I, I grew up there, and and uh, it's you know it's a very weird time I think to live anywhere in America. It's all very like. What can you do? What, where can you go? And yeah. it, it seems like Massachusetts is fitting. Plus, I have family. I take care of some family there. I don't know if this helps convince you that it's a better move <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, you're just like the least abrasive person I've ever met from Boston. Yeah. They, they're often very, not to be um, statist or whatever, uh, but they're often very loud and in your face. In a way that I, I like, it's just a lot. Yeah. You know? You don't know if someone's threatening you or complimenting you. And you don't have the accent. What happened to the accent? <clears throat> I don't know. I never had it. And it comes out as like certain words and people are like, what? <laughs> draw. Yeah. Like I'm going to put that in the draw. Yeah. That's um. what my, my grandma was from New Jersey and she like, she moved to California when she was a teenager and just immediately the first thing she tried to do is get rid of her New Jersey accent because she hated it. And uh, but every once in a while, even like, you know, as a 60 year old woman, it would come out and we'd all make fun of her and she would get very self-conscious. I, I was bless like, her memory. Like because you, you're Orange County. Yeah. But you don't sound uh, like you don't believe COVID happened. 
What? <laughs> oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I honestly, I didn't even know Huntington Beach. I'm from Huntington Beach. I didn't even know the reputation that it had oh. until I moved out of there. Mm-hmm. It, like, I just always knew that I didn't really feel like I fit in there. And I just felt like everyone was like hot and blonde and mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, I just never felt like I fit in there. And then when I moved out and I heard the way people talked about Huntington Beach and saw them on the news, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful place, though. <laughs> I think the the reputation of Boston, the old, hard-nosed Irish or Italian at war with each other types of the cities that moved out um, into the suburbs and fucked each other <laughs> and made a blend of people and mixed with the education that brings in people uh, from all around the world in the city. Uh-huh. The city's actually really, really, really diverse, but they're all kids in school diverse like, as in they're irish and italian no like there's like i feel like that's what diversity is in boston <laughs> they're like yeah Protestant. we have we have uh irish white people we have italian white people what else we do you have want? <laughs> what are the other we have polish white people are polish people white i don't know anything not to us no, <laughs> <laughs> no like i it, it, like this i think that's that's been a big thing but it, it is I've noticed how moving away and coming back to Boston, I've noticed how it is not as diversified as a city as like, you know, Los Angeles is a huge example of New York or even like you go to other places like Connecticut, mm-hmm. <laughs> you go to those places and you're like, there's a mix of people and the mix really only exists, I think, still within the school systems, the, the postgraduate level, especially. Yeah. Neighborhoods are definitely still segregated and treated shitty and not funded well. Um, In the school systems. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. But I think the culture in terms of, like, I I went to a Red Sox-Yankees game, and it wasn't like a violent slugfest. (laughs) Yeah. I was kind of disappointed for that. And then there was this, it was during Pride Month at Fenway, which historically has always been, like, a really homophobic place, uh, just like in my youth, ever like that's what you go and that's like, where you go to like yell at gay people. Yeah, like it, it was like violence would happen outside. People would yell those slurs at other players from other teams all the time. And like growing up, that's what I would just see. Yeah. And then there were these uh, two women that one proposed on the the like jumbotron thing, mm-hmm. and then people were like yeah, and they were like going nuts. And it was like really heartwarming and beautiful. And then people were becoming more like of a fan of it. They were like, yeah, fucking, fucking kiss her. <laughs> and I was like, it broke through tolerance and like acceptance and love. And it became more like, uh, this is as annoying as somebody. Right. It was proposes at a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because it, it wasn't. I feel like women kissing and guys going like, yeah, it, it that's not uh, tolerance and love. That's just like. Uh, the fact that like creepiness and horniness <laughs> outweighs <laughs> any homophobia that could possibly exist. Yeah, possibly. Do guys actually, out of curiosity, like? What do you think, Gary? This is actually going to turn to you. Sure. I was like, how am I supposed to know? Do you think the lesbian like girls kissing? Do you think that men actually like that, or it's just like a thing that all of us have collectively pretended to like for centuries? Uh. I, this is a theory I have because I don't care about it. I mean. 
not I, I mean you know i'm happy for them when they're kissing or whatever but i'm yeah. not like oh that's so hot it's and more I've like never something been that way but yeah. i for sure pretended it when i was in like the 11th grade it's something where you turn to your boys and you're like nice i mean like it looks pleasant don't yeah. get me wrong but it's like i think there was always this thing where it was like chicks kissing hell yeah yeah but it's like i don't know what do you think i i think the idea is it's a false idea sold us because like if you're showing a couple of models or you know uh porn stars or whoever just going at it and they're beautiful and makeup and lighting and all that stuff that's totally different than like my aunt patty and bear her wife (laughs) um you know them kissing i'm not like fucking boy (laughs) it's 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 like I don't like PDA. That's a thing. Like I really don't enjoy that Straight, in any gay, way. Whatever it is. Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> keep yeah. it, keep it at home. Uh, but I, I think like if it's pretty people, even two pretty fucking dudes, I'm like, good for them. If, if they're not that I'm watching a lot of dudes make out, but I, I've, you know, did you watch Narcos Mexico or Narcos? No. There's there's a really good. Uh, storyline for a prominent colombian um drug dealer a cocaine trafficker <laughs> who's like named pacho but he's like he's he's a known gay man and the storyline in it like there's a lot of like he's a really handsome actor and there are a lot of moments where he's just like full-on making out with like a really hot dude and then he'll just pull a guy apart with like his car <laughs> like it's an <laughs> awful thing but i'm just like yeah good for him that's fucking that's a good-looking dude with another good-looking dude. I do enjoy watching two hot men. Well, I think just two hot people, mm-hmm. two hot people making out in general. Yeah, hot just, people uh, always. I like to watch it. A couple of uggos, nice. no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one wants to see that. You're, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it's in a sweet way, like it makes me happy. I like it when old people kiss each other. Yeah. What about one uggo, one hot? Like when Michael Jackson and... Uh, Lisa Marie, what, was that? Presley? A, yeah, when they would kiss. Did they kiss? <laughs> did that ever happen? <laughs> I don't know if they ever kissed. Oh, they did. Did on they? Camera, and it was like cringy because it was hot people and ugly people kiss. I think to myself, that's a hot power dynamic going on right there. Like I like what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that one of them is lucky and one of like I picture myself as the ugly person in that scenario where I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if a super hot person kissed me? Maybe it's possible. Yeah. I do feel like my boyfriend is much better looking than I am and honestly makes me feel really good about myself. I feel like, yeah, I got, I'm funny. I have a personality and probably a bomb pussy because, like, it just, <laughs> I got, like, you, you got to assume, like, when you see someone who is with someone hotter than them, like, they have something. Because for me, it's not money. Like, he has more money than me. <laughs> this is his place. <laughs> but, I, but it's uh i got something i have to assume a, you know a bum pussy like a bum me bomb <laughs> oh bomb <laughs> i, I like, might have a bum like pussy you, you blew it out in high school <laughs> <laughs> could have gone pro but this fucking thing fell apart oh uh, man i mean uh bums have been inside of it but um <laughs> a bomb. not anymore that's your hunting and accent that might oh is that no that that's not honey what would be a honey what would you i feel like a or white power is that no, <laughs> no orange <laughs> i feel like orange county is more like a bro accent could can you do an orange county kind of i mean 
No. I can't do an Orange County accent. I was, uh, I'm West OC, which is, mm. is the forgotten part of Orange County, Anaheim and what have you. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I never grew up with the cool, the OC that I fantasized about, which right. was the, you know, the white supremacy OC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As a young Arab boy, I wanted to be accepted by them so much. I never, I never knew that that was like a thing. I always thought like we were just like, surf city you know like yeah. i never i never knew that was our reputation when i was younger i was fed it from the show the oc which i always thought was like millionaires who would adopt other white kids <laughs> well yeah just because he's pretty i never actually watched the oc i will <sighs> say everything i know about boston i feel like is from television yeah. boston to me is like cheers and ally mcbeal no and that's it's I used to want to move to Boston because I just I wanted to be Ally McBeal. I wanted that's why I almost became a lawyer. That's why I wanted to move to Boston. I just I thought I was going to be like this quirky, cute girl in short skirts who's a little crazy and practices law in Boston. I wanted to model my entire life off to, off of Ally McBeal. There there are a couple cinematic things, TV and film, that I think have have captured moments in Boston, but they're very brief. And What's that? And th these are them uh, in. Uh, gone Baby Gone when Casey Affleck, the private detective, is trying to figure out information on like a lost little girl. And he goes to this very seedy bar. Did people see him talking to a guy? And then he tries to get up and they just lock the door and he has to pull out a small gun and be like, I'm going to fucking kill you if you don't let me out of here. That's one piece that I think is very Boston. Because the gun is small? It's just like... <laughs> You walk into a bar, you don't know who's watching you, and all of a sudden everything turns where it's like, now there's a real conflict of my life and death. That, oh. That's a section that's very real. That's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like Boston sexy. <laughs> that's it's a little scary. Danger. A little danger, a little scary. You never know what's going to happen. Adrenaline. And, and then uh, uh, The Departed, when it's just, yeah, like the cops... Ramsey just fist bumped that into the air. To know that there's something <laughs> real in the departed. Uh, the only movie I can watch repeatedly. Oh, it's he's I think uh, he like the guy fucks up and Mark Wahlberg looks at him and goes, I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy. That is a, our culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, everyone's mean, honest. You fucked up <laughs> and I'm going to let you know right now. You fucked all of this up. Yeah. And there's no offering of solution <laughs> to your problem. <laughs> just you're at fault. And uh, and I think that that's kind of like small sections of it. But yeah. overall, pretty. I, I kind of like that that dynamic, that chaos. I love it. I do like like straightforward people. Like mm -hmm. I I feel like everyone I get along with the most is either. Which is funny because I feel like I never really fit in in OC, but everyone who used to live in OC that now lives in LA, like all the comics from OC, are the people I get along with the best. Yeah. Whereas, like when I was in Orange County, I felt like I didn't get along with anybody. So I feel like maybe there's a thing about people who move out of Orange County, you know? Which is also what I figured out about Florida, because I realized that I I love a lot of people who move from Florida to here. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't get it. Like Florida has this reputation of like these people. But then, like, everyone I meet from Florida, I fucking love. And yeah. they're like, because we were the ones that wanted to get the fuck out of Florida. Yeah, I, I dated <laughs> you know? a very lovely woman from Florida, Carmen Morales, very funny comedian for years. Yeah, my friend Katrina she, she, she Davis. She was, like, you know, like, had great uh, sense of humor and was very, and I was like, we would go back and 
uh, she'd be like, uh, this is going to be, you're going to meet some people. Yeah. And like we'd go out to the, these shows in the middle of nowhere and it would be that type of like, you know, their whole life is a uh, very different set yeah. of ethics. It's, you know, I got to drink beer. Yeah. Going fishing. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, like that's their thing. That's their thing. And look, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, uh, cut off any part of well, whatever. Like if 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 you don't like that, we're making fun of your state. I don't want you listening anyway. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not gonna pander to Florida. <laughs> Actually, I will say I went on um I went on tour recently with uh um our friends uh Keith Carey and Tom Goss. Oh, so funny. They're hilarious, and we had a great time when we did a run. We did like Philly, Pittsburgh. Um, and yeah, just kind of like went like East coast, South kind of, I don't know. Um, and we ended in, uh, Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville. And it was like probably the best show. Yeah. Um, like everyone was so down. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm doing fucking abortion jokes in Florida, you know? Was same with I did them in Alabama too, but it was a college town. We did Auburn, Alabama, so I feel like college towns are a little more like chill. Yeah. Um, but actually, yeah, like Jacksonville was pretty rad. So, you know, theory. Worse a place to the worse a place is to live, the better it is for comedy. That's yeah. why comedy in Los Angeles stinks. That's why comedy <laughs> in Vancouver stinks. Well, that makes sense. Any of these places where life is wonderful. Yeah. Comedy is fucking trash yeah because so they could be doing literally anything they, else and they could be and they care and you, you do a yeah. joke about abortion and they're like that's a very serious subject <laughs> yeah. Talking about? You know what yeah. I mean? and maybe they're right but yeah. anywhere where life is good comedy sticks that's actually i i would agree with that i've i like doing comedy in the middle of nowhere where like the only thing there is to do is like meth and get pregnant <laughs> trailer park right next to the the uh, chinese buffet yeah um that's a good sign i definitely get more uncomfortable when i pull up and it's like oh i gotta talk to a guard and then drive <laughs> through a gate and get to like a clubhouse and i'm Ugh. trying to put my shitty car next to all these very nice cars yeah and i'm like uh this is um i did one of the worst uh, uh feeling like Oh, we're back to this again. It was uh, maybe like m my fourth or fifth gig when the pandemic uh, vaccines like became, you know, okay to sort of go out and do shows and shit. And um, it was Nashville, New Hampshire. And I was like, okay, that's not too far. And they're like, it's a VFW. I was like, I could go either way. It was for World War II veterans. <laughs> oh wow! They they were on which side? America. No, okay. <laughs> survivors of world war ii and the korean war um it was so like it was so s like i was stepping into i walked through the door they were doing a ceremony of the fallen which is where they set a table for mm -hmm. each branch of the um, military yeah and like set plates and scatter spilled salt and it's a very like weird like uncomfortable thing and then they did the pledge of allegiance they did the national anthem they sang god bless america had a prime <laughs> rib dinner 
and gave these people cheesecake and they were like now a comedy show oh my god and their their <laughs> kids that took them there that was for them basically because all the all the adults who were you know survivors of korea or world war ii were basically asleep at the table yeah and how did you open uh i i uh, uh told them that i i former old navy <laughs> and uh, um, that got enough of a of like it's like okay that's enough of a support of the crowd and then i kind of riffed a little and then i made fun of uh some of the veterans <laughs> for i was like you may be a veteran but you did cut me in the prime rib line yeah, <laughs> so, that's fun yeah uh but there were there were legit like people that are, you would call heroes and you'd be right the guys that like pulled other guys out of fucking foxholes yeah in okinawa and they're still 90 driving themselves it's new hampshire and um there was a local rotc gun like twirling shit like all this military stuff and then yeah you know, jokes that had to be pg well i always wonder like because i feel like a lot of like that happens at gigs where they'll like they'll do something sad or weird and be like, let's do a moment of silence for like this person in our hometown that died. And then they're like, anyway, here's Nicole McCann. And it's like, do I address this one time me and, and Keith and uh, Jesse Johnson went and did a, uh, a gig in, uh, it was like up in, it, it wasn't mammoth. It was like a town by, it was like a very small town and everywhere in this town, there were missing there were missing person posters for this little girl oh my god <laughs> like everywhere you went in this town there were these missing uh, person posters and uh keith decided to you know make jokes about it and it turned out it's a very small town so it turned out that the girl's mother was there and she is outside talking to Keith and she's just talking like, yeah, I'm her mother, whatever. And then she just starts going and this fucking town, they all think I killed her. I didn't kill her. I'm like, Oh fuck. I think she killed her. Dude. That, that goes to our business. It's like for us to be hired anywhere, there has to be a void of joy yeah there has to be something that they just don't have which is like fun or yeah. or laughs or a relief and then for them to bring in the relief be like right before that we're going to remind them about <laughs> yeah. the saddest things going on right now i've called time out on like they brought me up like cold from that this is this is a pro move that i learned because i used to just be like well now i gotta do 30 right. after the the cancer uh speech where i just go we're going to take five. <laughs> Why don't you get your drinks? Yeah. And Because I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to sit there with that energy and yeah. die a miserable death because they don't know how to run a show. Right. Like I, I've just taken control of shows and uh, uh, overstepped my bounds. And, and then the person like looks at me. I'm like, no, no, no. Trust me. I'm like, trust me. Just, just, just take my hand. Trust me. I know, yeah. I know what this is and you're wrong. And yeah. I'm not, t I'm not trying to control it. I'm just like, give them a minute. Right. Give them like, just a little breath and we'll be fine. And it is. Yeah. But you can't just take hate like one spectrum and throw it in the other and expect everybody to be like, this is a fun night. My first, that's a good instinct because my first instinct is always just like, 
immediately make fun of what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> just sometimes it goes well, but usually not. Because that's yeah. our that's our coping. Yeah. That's our fucking. Yeah, we're like, I don't want to deal with this, like yeah. you know. So I'm just gonna like gloss over and be like, ah. But it comes from like it comes from like childhood. Like I I realized this recently. Like. If you have a lot of like fighting in your home, you always want to be the tension breaker. Yes. You know? And yeah. so like it, it, that's just an immediate instinct when there's tension to try and diffuse it, but uh, uh a lot of times it creates more <laughs> tension. <laughs> um I got yelled at at Thanksgiving uh for making fun of the Korean War. <laughs> are the people in your family really uh really you know gung-ho about uh, pro-korea they're, they're pro-korea no credit to gary on this one Not a war that doesn't get made fun of enough <laughs> <laughs> the korean war someone making fun of the korean war makes me so happy but my family i didn't i really didn't realize how morose and down my family is and when there were like children around they would have to tone that down and they would have to like, ooh, like playing, like you know. They would kid it up, but there were no children anymore, no little kids. Yeah. So we talked about uh, mental. The the, the, the exact words are: "You mentally retarded Uncle Albie died alone in pneumonia." Um, <laughs> the Korean War, a book that your grandfather has. He's gonna give you a copy and tell you the story of it, and then. Um, it was just everything you brought up, they would bring up a downer side to it. Yeah. And my grandfather starts talking about this fucking book called, like, Hell on Morning Calm. It's a terrible book. And it's about this Korean War veteran, and he, like, survived by jumping off a death march, and then he machine-gunned all the other soldiers because he jumped, and he lived by s being on the bottom of this pile of dead soldiers and crawled out and walked across Korea to find escape routes. And uh, he's told this story like three times that day <laughs> about this dumb book. And I was just like, it's like nobody's fucking, my sister's new boyfriend's there. No one's asked him a fucking question. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows his name because they haven't talked <laughs> to him. They've talked at him. Dude, my family does that to my brother's boyfriend too. They're just like, they're like, he never talks. I'm like, you've literally never asked him one question. You haven't, you haven't gotten any information about him. And sometimes you're like, I don't even know if this guy's part of the family or he's like <laughs> a friend. <laughs> like, I can't even, like, gauge where this guy's at. Because I've been to, like, girlfriend dinners where it's like, oh, that's just, like, our, our uncle's friend or whatever. And you're like, oh, great. Like, but that's, a, that's such a fucking bizarre situation to be yeah. in. Your first introduction to a family holiday no one talks to you. They talk at you. And my grandfather's going on and on about this book, about a body, piles of people, bodies everywhere, machine gun down, machine gun down. And then he, like, hands him this book. And then I, I was like, well, that's actually, that's how you get the book is um, you have to get a machine gun and you kill a bunch of people. And whoever's at the bottom of the pile gets the book in the end and then hands it on. So, Alex, you're going to have to do that for when you take the book. And he was like, it was so stupid, a suggestion of like, this is how this is how the book <laughs> passing on works. My grandfather got so mad. <laughs> and I'm like, we haven't, we haven't, we've just been talking about death for four hours in the worst way. I can't, I can't sit here and like have a turkey meal <laughs> around this. 
it's just a bummer. See, I like to, um, when I'm around my family, I like to overshare about my sex life to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> I was at, I, it was my mom's birthday, and I, I was with my aunt and my mom, and we were, like, wine tasting, like, um, whatever, and uh, I started just talking to them about, like, the, because uh, I, I forget how it came up, but then they were like, Nicole, like, you think that you're, like, so much more, like, I, I bet that, like, my aunt was like, I bet I've slept with more people than you, and I was like, okay, and, um, <laughs> and I was like, that's cute, and she was like, can you count on more than one hand? And I was like, yeah. And <laughs> she was like, more than two hands? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, okay, well, then you had me beat. And I was like, well, do women count? <laughs> they were like, what? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I've had, like, some three ways. One three way was, like, me and two women. And they were like, Nicole, like, we don't <laughs> we need to know all of this. They started it. That's I don't remember how it started. I with my mom, it's a little. It's 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 okay. I can go too far, and she'll be like Nicole. But like, if I bring like literally anything up in front of my dad, he just like shuts it, down. Yeah, does not want to hear it. Yeah, but it is hilarious. And it's not trying to compete. It's just like, oh, you wanted to be honest. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna give you everything, and then people are like. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and my parents will, like, if, if they come to, like, a show, like, I'm not going to, like, tailor my material, so they're going to hear, like, everything, you know? But unless, for some reason, like, if it's about the current relationship I'm in, I won't do it in front of my parents because I don't want them to look at my boyfriend <laughs> and be like, that's the guy that she did anal with for the first time. <laughs> you know, like... Which I have a joke about now, but I'm not going to do it in front of my parents because I don't want my dad to look at my boyfriend and, and be like, he's been in her asshole. Because <laughs> he likes him right now. You know, like you think that would turn him against the thought? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just think like he just like couldn't. I don't know. I don't think. I think his brain would break. If I met your boy, if I was your father meeting your boyfriend, and yeah, because because I know him, yeah, and then knowing that he he got into your asshole, I would go. You know what? That's because he's made her feel so safe. Like this guy's a good dude. It's true. Now, if it was a really cool, like a super, like slick, cool pickup artist kind of guy, then I would be like, this guy's right. a piece of shit who manipulated my daughter. So I think it depends on who you're letting into your asshole. Well, the real reason. Well, no, not the re the real reason was it, that it felt safe, but also sure. <laughs> the real reason might also make because my dad's a little um, like homophobic, but uh, my, <laughs> the real reason I which I, I talk about on stage that uh, my boyfriend's bisexual and that's like the perfect person to try anal with for the first time because like you know how cops have to get pepper sprayed and tasered <laughs> during training <laughs> so they know what it feels like before they do it to somebody else. <laughs> like that yeah it's perfect what about what about gen if you were uh, uh, uh and, and if like it was same so like if you had a son that was like a comedian doing anal with like that you're watching you're in the other end of it son doing anal with his girlfriend and that was your son i think like you'd be like hell yeah dude like i wouldn't i think i wouldn't carry either way like the safeness or the yeah like it's none of my fucking business has been my big creed of the year that is <laughs> Well, when it comes to your daughter's 
just sexuality in general, I feel like dads want to get way too involved in whether or not their daughters are having sex. Like it just yeah. like just stay out of it. Yeah. Just stay the fuck out of it. Yep. It's creepy. It's creepy to like get too involved in any way. Did you like, have, do you have a parental sex talk at all? Not really. I mean, my dad was just kind of like men are evil, don't ever trust them. <laughs> They'll do anything to get in your pants and they lie. That's a and great talk. Like that was that was like well, that's why that's I feel like that's why I lost my virginity so late because I was like I am terrified of men. Like I, I they're gonna have sex with me and then they're I don't know gonna fucking punch me in the face and leave me in the dirt and be like I never loved you, bitch. Like that's that's what I pictured. Yeah, wasn't too far off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, but. Yeah, I just, uh, I never really, yeah, I never really had, I, I don't remember really having a sex talk with my parents, no. 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 Me but neither. I can't even blame, like, think about how bizarre that has to be. Like, it's gotta be. And I'm when do you do it, and why would you do it? Like, you know, like, when yes. do you choose to do it? There are much less uncomfortable conversations that I've put off for five to six years. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go, like, I'm willing to cut some people some slack and go, like, I could just, you know, there's a, that's a big Gap the cross. Anal sex now, especially now. Now you have to talk about a lot of things. Yeah. It's yeah. not just fucking anymore. Now it's like, listen, you when they like, raw dog, be sure. Yeah. <laughs> use the word raw dog at some point. Have a safe word. Yeah, yeah. like it's not. It's so complicated. You have to consent to every hole. Just because you consent to one hole doesn't mean you consent yes. to the other hole. That's that's definitely a an optional card for every parent. I think they're like, will I do this or won't I? Should I hire someone to do it? The thing is now we live in the internet age. So it's like as, as bad as that is, like fucking Google it. I don't know. Like yeah. or your friends. Like pe really you learn about sex from your friends, which is bad. You sh like, you know, because they also don't know anything. But there's just the natural progression of growing up. Like it's just. But that's why I don't think I could ever be a parent because like. When I think about it, like even I have a sister that's 14 years younger than me. And I remember like when she was first going into middle school, I cried <laughs> thinking about it <laughs> because I was like, I remember middle school and I feel like that's when I like lost my innocence, you know, like yeah. not completely, but just like it was just the first time like kids were talking about stuff like that or mm -hmm. like, you know, and and it like freaked me out. And I feel like middle school is just a terrible time in my life in general. And I just like. I was like, you, how do you have a kid and just send them off with all these other kids who are probably terrible <laughs> <laughs> and like you have no idea what's, they have this whole separate life now when they go to school and yeah. when they go off with their friends. It's a whole, like you have no idea what's happening. I would, my anxiety could not, I, I could not. I would be one of those like parents that track their kids' phones and shit and I don't want to be that. I wouldn't do that. i I say that, I'm but just not I don't gonna have, kids. have kids. I mean, no, I would have kids. I'm not against it at all. I, I asked my dad this question. I was like, "Did you plan to have kids? Did you like want to be a dad?" He's like, "I didn't really think about it." <laughs> I, was, I was like, That's "He didn't good. think about it." He's like, "Yeah, it was great. You know, just, we just you know she got pregnant and it was like you know we we're married, so you know we had kids." Yeah, and it was like that, like. That's insane to me because I feel dad. like that's mostly like people just kind of like nonchalantly have kids. Like they're just like you yeah, just. 
Some it it. What else am I doing? <laughs> I think as as comics, you know, we we have to make a meal out of nothing, right? We have to make a mountain out of a molehill. Where like you know, people flying in an airplane is such a big fucking deal. <laughs> it's like the tip stereotypical stand up bit. Like having a human being to be responsible for might be blown out in our heads because yeah. of our just general anxiety. But I mean, it should be though. Most parents, and and even if they're good parents. Most parents fuck up their kid for life. Like, even if they're good parents, there's always something that you do that scars your kid for life somehow and makes them insane and need therapy later on. But I think you're also deep inside you, you know what to do. You just know it's built in you. Like, as long as you're not a sociopath, it's going to like fucking chain this thing to a radiator. <laughs> like it's it's just going to be in you to to like when I see uh, my nieces and nephews, my cousins' kids, I see these little babies and like they're running back and forth and we're making noises, make fart noises and laughing and yeah. I'm like it's easy. And just you round them. That's all they want. Well, I mean that's like being an uncle. Yeah. Like but if you're like a parent, if you're like a mom, like you if you're responsible for that. I felt like I could I mean You think you could be. Yeah. Well, I think you'd be a good dad. Yeah. Oh, Gary'd be a great dad. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For a couple years. For, yeah. And then <laughs> I think <laughs> honestly, here's the thing. I think I could be a good dad. Yeah. I think I don't so. think I could be a good mom. <laughs> It's dad. different. Yeah, I it's really different. Think so. I think I'd be a really good dad. This this is a thought I've had is like if I had a son because I want my dad's approval. He's my world. I don't really have a relationship with my mother. She's gone. She just has a family somewhere else. Just checked out, and that's what it is. And my dad's great. I love him, and he's everything. And I'm like, do I want his approval so much that it's like sad? Like I'm I'm the worst. Like would I? am I the worst guy to want his father's approval? And then like I started thinking and I was like, no, uh, evil Knievel's son, Robbie Knievel <laughs> is the worst because his dad was shitty and then he dressed like his dad and then would jump canyons that his dad did not come and watch no. <laughs> just for his dad's attention wearing a leather suit. <laughs> not another person could relate to Robbie Knievel more than evil Knievel and he still wouldn't yeah. do it. I'm busy. Oh, man. But it's the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Did your dad withhold approval at all? Oh, yeah. It still does. Yeah. yeah. He gave me like a side hug at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> does he say I love you? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> but my, I, I, I'll sneak it in and he'll, he'll kind of, mm, yeah, all right, love you. I, I always did. Way. I did this bit because um, my, my boyfriend's dad doesn't say I love you. And I'll hear him on the phone and, and. He's very affectionate, my boyfriend. And he, so he'll go, I love you, Dad. And then his dad, every time, will just go, take care. <laughs> every time. Every time. So I started doing a bit for a while where every time he would say I love you to me, I'd go, take care. <laughs> he didn't find it. Yeah. I, but. I've, I've gotten it at times. I know it's there. And he's ex expressed it in different ways. So that's been like, you know, that's what I tell myself. And <laughs> You, you can't... Uh, he has a different love language. Yeah. yeah, and it's a control thing. We talked about being in control, being yeah. comedy controllers. Like, you yeah. got to get them to laugh when you want them to laugh. Yeah, at yeah, things yeah. You want them to laugh at the things that you're yeah. scared of, but you've put it in a box that is okay to laugh yeah. at or something. And, like, same thing with other things in life. Uh, like, uh, being afraid or, or wanting these things. It's like, oh, you can't control how they act or things. You can tell them, like, yeah. hey, it hurts my fucking feelings. 
that you don't do this shit. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> and I have a, I have a very bizarre chiropractor. He's a bad neck and back. And he's like so like affectionate. He does tell you that he loves you. He pets me. <laughs> now he was in, uh, he was in Vietnam. He like the first meeting, he like grabbed my ankle and goes, do you dwell on things? <laughs> I said, a little bit. He goes, stop it. <laughs> what, what, are we, what are you going to dwell? And it's just going to hurt you. What is it? It does <laughs> have to do with your ankle. <laughs> That's where you store it. And it was like, all You right. store dwelling in the ankle? Yeah, I thought it was horse shit. And then like he started like moving things around and clicking things in the right spot where he felt like a human being again. And he's like, just live your life knowing you said everything you wanted to say. <laughs> wow. Don't, don't hold back on that. Yeah. Fucking hey. I, I have gotten really into like uh, kind of like body work as far as like you do. S I, I do think that I thought it was bullshit for a while, but I do think you store things in parts of your body. <laughs> and like I do like this kind of like yoga meditation stuff with this girl who uh, worked at my boyfriend's rehab. And he, he was like, you got to like see this lady. And I was like, oh, it's going to be such bullshit because it was like very like spiritual, like breathing and, and like whatever. But I was talking to her about how I catastrophize everything. Yeah. Like and and you might be able to relate to that just because I know you uh, deal with anxiety also. But just like I like everything uh, when I'm in a certain place, everything is the end of the world. Like it's it's a problem. And I was telling her this, and she was like, yeah, so we, we want to work with your kidney because you're holding. I'm like, this is such bullshit. And then I don't know, like, what she did, but she had me do some movement. She had me, and I, at, for the past week, have felt just so much better. I don't know what the fuck she did because all it was was, like, movements and breathing exercises and her telling me to pretend I'm smiling at my heart or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> which is embarrassing but dude fucking smile at your heart guys <laughs> like, I, I met this very incredible woman um her uh she moved here from morocco for a marriage to this guy who was a piece of shit and she got away from him and is like going through the immigration process alone she's in asylum in america pulling herself fucking up and she's like a very devout Muslim woman. And she taught me a lot about herself and um, a lot of things. And she was she was talking about that stuff of like, you know, what she believes in certain things and how she just is like, I have to believe this. And this is just the way it is for mm -hmm. me. And things will work out, you know, God willing. She's inshallah. And she likes, yeah, and it's just some of that stuff that I never really grew up with any sort of religion type stuff. Yeah. It just wasn't for me and didn't feel it. And, uh, hearing stuff like that where you just put your, you put your belief into something. Yeah. Just kind of like it, the universe, whatever it is, there is like something about just kind of getting in the mindset of things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. Mm -hmm. And if I am, 
doing the best I can and being my best self and being kind to others and doing what makes me feel good and uh, whatever, then everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to. Right. You need. It's a nice thought. Principles <laughs> and themes and rules for yourself. Yeah. And like they're not necessarily everybody's rules, principles, themes, truths, whatever. And it helps steer that path of, you know, you're going to fuck up. You're going to do great. There's going to be off and off kilter moments. Like yeah. with depression. I'm big, big depressed. If you can't tell from my face tone and how I dress, <laughs> I am a big depressed guy. And, uh, but I don't, I, I've, I've learned a lot to manage it. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the pandemic stuff in the last year and a half uh, and almost dying during COVID, having COVID. I was like kind of prepared from that, from just like, you know, when you, you've always felt like, oh, this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then the world starts acting like, oh, it's really the end. And you're like, well, I've been at this speed for a while. Yeah. I, I can navigate it fine. I, I do feel like, uh, Everyone was just kind of put on a level playing field in that way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I I feel like I was, like, depressed and catastrophizing all the time already. Yeah. And then everyone just kind of came to that level. And I was like, welcome to the dark side, <laughs> bitches. Like, <laughs> we are all crying and drinking way too much and uh, catastrophizing and wondering uh, if the world's going to end every single day. And yeah. that's just where I was before that. <laughs> 700,000 people to die here to prove it. Yeah. I just needed to accidentally spill my water at dinner <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> and I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I swear to God, it is, it is like that. Like sometimes, like if I, if I'm in that mode, anything can set me off. Like, I can't find my left shoe and I'm like, just will burst into tears mm. and it seems insane from the outside. But to me, for some reason, it makes perfect sense that I am just, everything is the worst because I can't find my fucking shoe. I've, I've become more animalistic with that, like in a good way, you know, like when a dog's mad, it just like barks and then it's just not mad the next second. Yeah. Like the thing that'll make me uh, off, like I couldn't find my fucking earbuds and I'm like, well, I lost them. And I lost them because I put in my fucking car and then I got my fucking car serviced at Braintree. I never go to Braintree because they're a bunch of fucking thieves. And now I got to go accuse a mechanic of stealing my fucking earbuds <laughs> that I can't get back. And uh, I went through this whole thing and then went to there and was trying to be like, hey, I don't know where these are. They were in my car. I got it serviced. They're not in my car. The guy's like, well, my mechanic, he's been there 30 years. He's not a thief overnight. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, that's not what I'm saying. Just like, maybe it fell out. Did he see it? Can you help me? I'm very don't know. And that's causing a lot of this problem. And the guy was like sort of helping in that condescending way. Like, you know, I'll talk to him. <laughs> yeah. He goes in the back. And then I go home and they're like on my desk. Mm. <laughs> not even there. And I... I, I was relieved instantly and then embarrassed, but then I was like, who cares? And I called back and I was like, I found them, and I'm sorry that I even brought this up, and I appreciate you even, like, humoring me, and uh, I'm going to write you a nice review about all wow. this shit because I appreciate you kind of helped me out in that moment of chaos, and then I was just like, all right, go on with my day. I Done. feel like most people wouldn't take accountability like that. 
that's the big step now. Most people would be like, whatever, the guy was an asshole and condescending anyway, fuck them. <laughs> like, my, my orig- they probably would have stole my <laughs> earbuds. I would have, my old thinking would have been like, I would have called Toyota's manager like to talk and be like, Gary died. And <laughs> I would have said, don't worry about those headphones. And I would have to wear like a different outfit to get my car service there. They would hide my face. I would be like, I'd rather they think a human being no longer exists than own up to, yeah, I made a mistake. Is there like only one Toyota within like a hundred miles of you? Like yeah. you can't just go to a I'm different not going one? to Woburn. <laughs> too far Quincy Braintree's uh, 10 minutes away <laughs> I do do you like beat up on yourself a lot like uh oh yeah I think that's a big thing of just I think that's a big thing in general with anxiety and depression and all of that is like yeah like say I can't find my shoe I can't find god I'm such a fucking idiot. look at this place is a fucking mess look at look at what a mess this is it's because I'm a fucking lazy piece of shit who doesn't clean up clean up after myself like this fucking coffee's been sitting here for fucking four days there's mold in it, it smells I don't give a fuck because I'm a piece of shit yeah. and I can't find my fucking shoe and now I'm gonna be late and I'm a bad friend because I'm gonna be late to this thing that I promised my friend that I would do and whatever and then I just cancel whatever it is because I can't find my fucking shoe and right. then I go into bed and I cry about how I'm a terrible person a bad friend because I just canceled on this thing and uh, and then I find the shoe under my bed like five minutes later and um, yeah. yeah and then I'm like you know you you start throwing yourself down the hill it's a, it's a huge spiral that you can take yourself on and it's really it's all your brain nothing actually happened Nothing happened. Your brain did it all. Yep. <laughs> you know, like it's like a uh, the, the problem as well is that there is some standard you're comparing yourself to on a regular basis where you're like, I'm such a piece of shit. This person wouldn't do that, or somebody mm-hmm. who thinks like this wouldn't do that. Yeah, if you can ever just get to a place where you're like, you know what? I'm a fucking pig. Like it's yeah. part of what makes me a cool person. <laughs> I am getting to that point. Where like you're just like fuck it. Like yeah. you want all the good shit that comes with Nicole. You have to accept that sometimes she leaves a cup of coffee and it gets moldy. <laughs> That's part of what yeah. the good. You know what I mean? And yeah. This is this is gonna be terrible sounding, and uh, I'm sure this will be played back uh, in my my eventual failed campaign for president but just mark this clip here. Go ahead. Matthew McConaughey really helped me <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care that I laugh at how silly that sounds because he number one true detective master of his craft he's a master of his fucking craft he's also super hot in that he's amazing, amazing. yeah and he is a really good actor. He's in some of the best movies uh, of the last few years. Mud. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. A fucking A. Amazing. Uh, he just like pushes Dallas himself. Dallas Buyers Club was the AIDS one, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's like a if Days and Confused had a very different <laughs> spinoff <laughs> for him. Days and Confused from AIDS. Yeah. He's just fucking all these high school girls. He gets AIDS. Um what helped you? Was it his car commercial where he was like, he's just, he's just driving down the road. What does he say in that car? I feel like he does say something very inspiring. And you're like, what is this? And then it's a car commercial. He had uh, an hour or so talk on YouTube for a graduating class. And he talked about 
the 13 principles or truths or things that he does believe to be true. You can take with them what they want. And he did this very... Before we get into that, what rabbit hole did you go down on YouTube? How sad were you? Or were you jerking off and found... <laughs> like, what, what, what led you to this? I was like, if I'm always listening to the same old things, or if I'm always listening to podcasts, I got to do something different to switch up my own routine okay. to sort of get myself out of whatever funk I'm feeling. Whether it's creative funk, a, a, a spiritual funk, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. I got to do something a little different, and that usually sparks something creative, and then I'm happy because I'm creating. Okay. So I was like, let's listen to somebody who has uh, a really good like body work that I respect and see what they do and what they say and how they follow things. And he talked about these principles. And you chose Matthew McConaughey. I did. Okay. And, and it was a good choice. I'll send this to you. Okay. I listened yeah, no, to it. I, yeah. It was not a motivational speaker type guy that's like, oh, he's there and he's selling a book and everybody's going to buy the book. It's like this guy has, he's in a very big industry. He's in a very big world. He's done a lot of things. And I respect his, his ongoing work in pursuit of his artistry. And then he started talking about like, um, you've got a ledger in your life and you got to balance things. And some things will be off a little bit. Like my personal relationship with my wife will be off because my body works going so well and my friendship relationships with all my friends. That's not good. Cause I've just been thrown into being this thing. So like, he's got to look at his ledger every day and see where is he going? What, what needs to be balanced? What's off? What's over? What's under? And yeah. I, th I thought that was a really good uh, piece of advice from that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And my therapist was like, uh, I was talking about football and how I like it. And he's like, well, talk to yourself like a coach instead of, of like breaking yourself down like that thinking of you're a piece of shit. You suck. Yeah. And I'm a big I'm a Patriots fan. I love them. Uh, New England. Go Pats. And uh, that's not allowed to be said on my podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> can we cut that? Can we, <laughs> can we bleep it? Can we bleep that out? <laughs> <laughs> bleep out. Well, I, I we'll bleep it out with a Patriots they logo. They sucked so bad as me growing up. And, like, they never had good uh, uh, coaches. They had a few awesome players that would – and they would just get their asses kicked every week for years. And then I got to see them win and people turn and hated them because they had some yeah. of the best players, some of the best coaches and all the other shit. But the idea of football of uh, – in general, just, like, Guys with clipboards tell monsters to fight each other, and they do. And they don't get anything done unless they're all kind of directing in this chaos of a battle of trying to kill each other, trying to kick a ball, throw a ball, run a ball. And it's all directed within this very small four set moments mm -hmm. on a field at a time. And I was like, that's the way I have to approach like a thing that's a problem, a thing that's going to fuck me up. It's like, well, where are we at? What's the scoreboard? How much time do I have? Can I get it done? What do I need to achieve this? Is it possible to get it done? No, not right now. Let's do this. Yeah. So and that's much more productive than just being like, you're such a fucking piece of shit. Because you know what? I did realize, it, not just with, with, with really anything, doing that, like beating yourself up, you're not doing anything productive. You are, it's actually like a cop out. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, I'm not going to change anything. 
-hmm. but like I'm gonna it's gonna make me feel like I'm doing something because I'm beating myself up for it like I know I know that this is the situation isn't what I want it to be I know that I did something I didn't want to do whatever I'm not gonna do anything to fix it but I still feel like I'm doing something because I'm calling myself a piece of shit and laying in bed all day and that makes me feel better about it but like I realized that sometimes I would do that like if like say like I was in a relationship and the person I was in a relationship with would approach me about like hey you did this and that like bothered me or whatever um and I would immediately go into fuck I hate myself and piece of shit like like whatever and I would just get like depressed and cry and whatever and they'd be like oh no it's okay whatever that doesn't actually fix anything that is just and it, it wasn't something like I'm not like an intentionally manipulative person or anything like that it's a something you learn growing up I feel like um just like as a kid you learn mechanisms that you know if your parents are mad at you this is what you do mm -hmm. or like you know um and so if if I'm down on myself they're gonna build me back up mm -hmm. and or like if I do something wrong and I'm beating myself up for it, but I'm not, it, it's just, it's all a cop out. You're not actually doing anything about it. So instead of immediately going into that, if you do analyze the situation and go, okay, this happened, what do I do about it? This is going wrong. What am I going to do about it? I, I did this thing that made this person feel this way. Mm -hmm. uh, how can I change that behavior? <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's, that's a much more mature way of dealing with things than just fucking beating up on yourself, which is really just like wallowing in self-pity. Yeah. You yeah. Own it. You have to own it. I pulled up some of this uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm missing the cable that's going to play it on this TV right over here, but I'm going to flip my phone so you guys can see it. I'll put it in the video. All right. It's 12. It's 12. He's giving 13 truths. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm going to play just one minute of it. So you can tell me whether it's as inspirational as Gary uh, believes it to be okay here we go because i'm looking at it it looks very inspirational and i'll tell you what he's also like even hotter than i remember <laughs> is he shirtless because if he's not yeah, i don't want to see it he's like, he really cool off like you know when actors do like a or like super hot dudes pull off like a look off screen where you're like just nobody could look like that on any given basis but like you're matthew mcconaughey so your shirt is super low your hair slicked back like a coke dealer <laughs> That's looks the amazing. look he's rocking Here, for his motivational yeah. speech. Take I like a look. it. Okay. Can you guys hear that okay? No, oh. I can't hear anything. Oh, now you can. Yeah. Don't try to make it that way. Life's not fair. It never was. It isn't now and it won't ever be. Do not fall into the trap, the entitlement trap, of feeling like you're a victim. You are not. Get over it and get on with it. And yes, most things are more rewarding when you break a sweat to get them. Number two. There's the car. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> is the stupidest word in the dictionary. Should never come out of our mouth. He Think said about stupidest. It. To say, oh, wow, That's what not an unbelievable play. Uh, it was an unbelievable book, an unbelievable film, an unbelievable act of courage. Really? It, it may be spectacular. It may be phenomenal, most excellent or outstanding. But unbelievable? Uh-uh. Give others and yourself more credit. It just happened. You witnessed it. You just did it. Believe it. What about the other side of unbelievable? 
You know, that, that side when we humans underperform or act out of our best character. For instance, man flies a suicide jet into the World Trade Center. Millions die from diseases every day that we have cures for. Bob the Builder swears <laughs> that he's going to have your house built by Thanksgiving and you what? can't move right, until Christmas. That was good enough. <laughs> I was waiting for one Bob Matthew McConaughey moment. I was waiting for one Matthew McConaughey moment to take us out of that. And that was oh great. my Perfect. God. Bob so at what point during that speech did you start tearing up? <laughs> I said I'm going to give it 10 minutes. It's still playing, I think. Is it still playing? Yeah. Oh, my bad. <clears throat> but I, I, get, I said I'll give it 10 minutes, and then mm-hmm. uh, I watched the whole thing. I was on, on like, a, a drive to work. He is very uh, engaging. And charismatic. Like, you can yeah. see there's a lot of talk of him running for governor in Texas. Without a question, he'll win. He's very engaging. You're, like, into it. Yeah. yeah. I could definitely see that. And it's just common sense to me is, like, I'm not going to listen to anybody that's not successful or in a place that I don't want to be. Why would you listen to that person? Yeah. Some, it, it, and it's simple. It's, just not, it's not like a superstar that needs to be like Matthew McConaughey. It could be somebody that's like has a good life, that has a house, a car, their bills paid. They're not sweating. They don't look panicked. Mm-hmm. Every time you say, what's up, how you doing? They're like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I like and you know, I used to be that person. Every time someone's like, hey, how are you? Like, I just like launch into fucking self-pity and yeah. like... Nobody want like, I used to think that people liked me because of that. Like, I used to think, like, oh, like, people want to help me. People want to, like, give me advice. Like, people want to, like, whatever. But no, like, I think people just, I saw pity as, like, love and affection and, like, whatever. And then I just thought, like, oh, I'm being, especially when I started doing comedy, I was like, this is me being vulnerable. If someone says, hey, what's up, I'm not just going to be like, great i'm this is me being vulnerable and real you know and people are gonna like me for that but like you don't want to be that guy that's just like every time someone's like hey what's up like how you doing you're just like a fucking downer and Mm -hmm. it's like it's not it's not fun and i'm not saying like you have to be happy and positive all the time like fuck that i'm not saying that but i am saying that like there is a level of like self absorption yeah that happens and like it's just it's not you just don't want to be that person and it's not good for you it's not good for mm-hmm. your like brain and well-being like i think those first years of comedy for me were like i would say things and watch people laugh at the things and it wasn't stuff that i necessarily would be if i were in the audience would have laughed at as a spectator mm-hmm. and i was like I didn't like my act like as as a as a viewer. Like mm-hmm. I was doing things that I thought would get response that did because they followed yeah. a pattern. There was a rhythm, there was set up joke, punt, you know, all that shit. And then I started like reevaluating like why do I want what do I want to say and what do I like about that? And then chased that. Mm-hmm. And then you know those guys that like laugh at themselves on stage. It looks like a fucking party, like yeah. JB Smoove, yeah, yeah, or Bernie Mac. Or Do you think that's real? I I believe it now because I've started to become like I'll get into a moment where I can be like very focused and stuff, but I can also like kind of throw myself laughing at the moment. You make I, yourself laugh. Yeah. yeah, and it's legit. Yeah, it's for me. Like yeah. I feel it, and it's the same thing I've said a lot. And I'm like, that is so funny. Like when I. I'm so I'm like working out a bit. It's not that (laughs) it's not there yet to be stage ready, but it's like this bit of 
I wanted to be a bodybuilder when I was a kid, when I was 16. Uh, I got Arnold Schwarzenegger's book from 1980, which does give directions on how to use steroids properly. <laughs> the um, people you choose to inspire you are hilarious. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bruce Lee. Matthew McConaughey. Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, like that, that spectrum. Uh, I, I took... Uh, pictures of my body shirtless to take because you need progress pictures of your muscles. Yeah. No, I've done that for weight loss and it's, um, I'll go through my phone sometimes and there's like nudes, but not like sexy ones. There's right. ones where I'm like in front of the mirror, like, yep. Like pushing my belly out and like, <laughs> like this to the side, yeah. like, <laughs> like going like this because like I want, cause I'm like, I want to be able to look back later and be like, Oh, look at all this weight I lost. But then I never actually lose the weight. And now I just have a bunch of like really embarrassing nudes in my phone that like aren't hot at all. <laughs> yeah. I've, 15 year old me i go through looking for my vaccine card in my phone when they're like go for the vaccine and then like, i'm like looking through it and i'm like oh god there's a bunch of just like cellulite pictures in my phone the, va the vaccine thing always makes me nervous every time i pull up the vaccine card i always i'm like wait what is three photos away it's always a yeah. bit of a nerve-wracking experience yeah i i actually i created a separate folder just for my the the picture of my vaccine so it's just that that's gave, all it is. They give us a rickety card in Massachusetts, like a punch card. They <laughs> have to like, <laughs> like, it's all worn down like a, a it's like a library card. It's paper. Mm -hmm. uh, the, so you took pictures of yourself. As yeah, I, 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 to circle my calves. <laughs> That's a real problem area. <laughs> That's what you wanted to beef up. I want. I had to. I had to make a symmetry because if you want to be Mr. Olympia, you have to be. Um, genetically like beyond but also proportionally perfect uh -huh. in many different ways and uh at 16 i was like obsessing about this and uh so i took the photos with like the wind up free film for life camera from walgreens and they would develop it for free and then they uh i i dropped it off for one hour photo i came back and they were like we're not giving you these photos they've been flagged and i was like what do you mean and they're like it's flagged for child, child pornography, pornography. <laughs> And I was like, I'm the child in the pornography. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I was like, well, Arnold says you have to look at your problem area. <laughs> and my sister had worked there at the time. And I had to like drop her name to be like, I'm just her brother. And I'm a weird bodybuilder. And like, oh, yeah, we've heard about you. Like you work out at like 4 a.m. before eighth grade. I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> they gave me the photos. And then they hired me two months later. <laughs> so I had to work with all these people. I knew how weird it was. <laughs> oh well, like like people like people who work there don't also do that. I I feel like everyone everyone does shit like that. Does weird they shit. They just don't. I I think so. Maybe not. Maybe I just do weird shit, and I have to tell myself everyone does weird shit. No, there's. I think it was a little weird. Like we all have the stuff that we do alone that we would never tell anybody. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, this was. I think this is good. What's good? This talk, our talk. You think so? I still haven't asked you the question that I asked you before oh, yeah. the podcast. It's funny because with, so this is the first episode. Might get released in my. <laughs> what do you think, Ramsey? It's good. It's good. This is the first episode of our podcast. Uh, we haven't even addressed uh, that, but probably will. Uh, it's the first episode, and I was still trying to kind of figure out what this was, uh, and. Um, 
I I wanted it to be a a funny like comedy podcast about like the worst parts of being alive, which I feel like we've kind of done. <laughs> yeah. But I did ask you and I texted it to you first and I texted it to you with no context because I just thought that would be funnier. Um, but you didn't even respond to it. You just respond to the other part of the text. I just texted Gary. What do you think is the worst part about being alive? And uh, he just didn't respond to it. He was like, yeah, we'll go get coffee. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure you weren't on a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sad enough. I need to hear more uh, about what. No, but I, I, I do want to know. what For you, mm. what's the hardest part? It's so, hard to pin it down. But the uncertainty, I think, is at the center of so much. Like not Uncertainty, knowing, yeah. on not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next, if this will affect that, will life work out? Can I make life work out? Uh, and I think you have this idea when you're younger that when you reach a certain age, you'll have everything fit. Like everything right. will be certain. I have my job locked down. I have my fucking husband locked down. I have this locked down. Everything is certain in my life. I know what's happening. I don't think that ever happens. You're right. I mean, maybe, maybe for some people and their lives might be, you know, boring. But I do think that like, because I was talking to um, someone about this the other day where they were saying like, I just don't know where my life's going. I, I, I don't want to, I've been doing this my whole life, but now I don't know if I want to do that and mm -hmm. whatever. And they're like, I'm in my thirties. And I'm like, I think that life is constantly reevaluating where you're at. Like, I think, I don't think it, that ever stops. I think you can be 60 and be like, am I still doing what I want to do? Like, why don't I go do this for a little while? You know, like it never ends. And I, I think that's hard. I think uncertainty, like it's, it's scary and for anxiety, like it's the worst, but I also think it's kind of exciting. You know, it's nice yeah. to know that you're not always going to be where you are right now. Yeah, that your that whole like expectation. Yeah, and Matthew McConaughey calls it the entitlement trap. <laughs> uh, is I read that <laughs> the the linear? We go through a very much like a linear process. I think if you're growing up in basic public school like I did in America, you go through this experience of you have twelve years, you have twelve grades, uh, four seasons. Um, after those twelve years. You're expected to go to another four years of this to pick a direction of study that will lead to a career, and then that career, you'll choose which path of success you want based off that career. It was very much like X, then Y, then Z. And what they should have told us, I think, along the way is like, we have a regimented system that we're going to pull out from underneath you. You don't have to follow it. Here are many paths, infinite paths but here are the results of some paths. If you go this way or that way, you don't just have to go to college. Mm. You don't just have to like move away uh, and try to follow your dreams and do that shit. Like you should take some time to kind of figure out or fuck up and give yourself a little bit of an allowance of trying and quitting and doing things again and again. Yeah. I think comedy has been the one thing I never quit. Like I, I was always there and everything else was like, how do I make comedy more feasible? How do I pay my bills like this year and be able to do as much comedy as I want safely and the way that I want to do it and the places I want to do it. And it became like that, like I'm going to keep, keep a job so I can fucking retire and enjoy my life and buy a motorcycle like I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm also going to go and just buy a plane ticket, go to cities, perform, see friends and live like that. 
But the fact that you are the most afraid of uncertainty but ride a motorcycle <laughs> is insane. <laughs> That's true. Like, uh, fucking motorcycles are, uh, like, death traps. We were talking about this before, which it it makes you happy, and you'd rather die happy, and I respect that. (laughs) If you drive it like an asshole, yeah, and it's other people you don't know about, but you have to be ultra-present. Yeah. That's the thing. You're not worrying about... Someone did tell me that, that they felt like they were... um, I used to have a roommate who rode a motorcycle, and she was saying that it, she thinks it makes her a better driver because you do have, like, you are, it is more danger and you are more present when you right. do Huge drive. incidents of ADD with people who ride motorcycles. I just found this out, that they did a study on this. And I think it is because a lot of people with ADD very much feel like they need to have some, it's two things. It's yeah. I need to have the full focus and also there's a dopamine issue. Right. So they're like, a lot of people just need that. Do you, do you suffer with any kind of ADD or anything like, like that? Like dopamine, probably. Probably. The I, have a, I have ADD. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, for sure. Me yeah. too. A really, really bad ADD. Yeah. So I think maybe you should get a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> I do. We should do a, uh, an episode kind of about them. I, I fucking, I've been, I've learned, I didn't know that I had ADD until like maybe uh, three or four years ago. Um, like I feel like most people figure that out as a kid, Yeah. but I didn't have the like hyperactive kind. So I wasn't like a disruption in class or anything like that. So like, it just kind of went unnoticed, but I was like, I just was so unfocused. I never turned in my homework. I was like, it was that kind of like very, I was always, I'm always in a fog. And then I figured out that a lot of the symptoms of my depression were actually ADD. Yeah. I'm gonna make you feel great. It turns out that people who get the later diagnosis typically have the higher IQs because the uh-huh. later the diagnosis typically means you were able to figure I did it well out. in school. And you did well I went in to, school. I ended up like, like you know, I, I, I did well in, on tests. I got into UCLA. Like no one thought, my brother, they absolutely were like, he has ADHD for sure. Like they were like, because he was, but he's also very smart, but he was just very hyperactive and got in a lot of trouble and stuff. Whereas I was just like more quiet and just kind of like would drift off and look off into space and daydream or whatever, but ended up doing well on tests anyway. So that, that, that makes sense. I still think I'm dumb. Like I, <laughs> I do think I'm dumb. I, I like, and uh, you know, this is has become a new premise in my comedy. Like, I think this is going to be like in building an hour it's my quest to be a hot dummy. Like I just <laughs> want to be dumb and confident and, and happy. Like, like I was talking about, I don't watch the news. Like I, I don't, I don't want to know what the fuck is going on. And maybe that makes me dumb. Like maybe that's like, I don't know what's going on in the world and that makes me dumb and that's fine. But like I, I was saying like, I I'm trying to like build a thing around this, but like, like, also you know who doesn't watch the news is like fucking buddhist monks probably you know like and like like what's the difference you know between like it really just uh figuring out like what you actually do want to focus on and like i want to focus on dumb shit i don't want to focus on stuff that you know is sad and or like you know 
I don't know. I just I I I just rather be fucking dumb. There's a million yeah. ways to be dumb and a million ways to be smart. Too, yeah. Right? So you're very. I think many people would probably you would probably your parents would say you're very smart in some ways. Yeah. Not knowing what the fuck is going on with the news is a godsend. To be completely honest with you, and and you're being honest with yourself too, where you're like, I just don't fucking care. Right. Yeah. It is what it is. I don't. You know? <laughs> I don't. And like I'm I'm done pretending. Like it's so funny because I spent so long pretending to care. My major in college was political science (laughs) with a focus in international relations and like i just i pretended to care for so long and then realized how much i hated it like studying it in college i fucking hated it i hated studying what was going on in the world i hated studying politics i hated all of it and now i want nothing to do with it i don't want like anything and like it just, it, it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I came to a couple like peaceful resolutions within myself about like watching all this getting all stirred up and all pissy and mad at other things and yelling at other people about my opinion or their opinions, you know, or defending what I feel is right. Doesn't fucking matter to me. Yeah, and it was just bothering me and creating more problems in my life, and I didn't care. Yeah, and it doesn't solve or help the problems. And I was like. It doesn't make me a good or bad American or a good or bad person. Like, I see the persons around me and try and work with that. And yeah. I think I can make it that type of a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I can go up on stage and say something funny. That doesn't mean I'm going to change the fucking world with it. Yeah. I don't expect to. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think as long as you make the people around you feel good. Yeah. I, I, like, yeah. And the bonus is every once in a while you do get someone that comes up and goes, I felt that. And that's yeah. that's the big thing. Like you make them feel like they're not so alone. Yeah, that's you know, comedians make people feel good. And then I I also I believe because like I said I want to be a hot dummy with big fake tits because I think also big fake tits make people happy. So I think, you know, I can do the world a service in other ways than you know studying international relations. <laughs> By just having big fake honkers. Uh, no, I think uh, I, I think we should all strive to be dumb and hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our first soundboard moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I did tell. I was telling you this. I I told Ramsey. I was like, "Can we get a soundboard just full of Scott Stapp?" Singing stuff or saying stuff. I was like, Nicole, if you want to make radio, I'm a fucking hundred percent fuck podcast. Because I do, do radio. If there's a way, what are like the what are the copyright laws with if we wanted to end this podcast with just a full screen of that that because I do want everyone to hear this this song where Scott Stapp made a a song for the Florida Marlins called Marlins Will Soar. It is a it's a <laughs> It's a, uh, a rewrite from from You Will Soar. I guess that was one of his songs or whatever. And he just he just he's just listing baseball things. Clearly, has never watched baseball in his entire life. And it like even just the sound effects. It literally it starts out with Let's play ball. It's game day. Like a crack of the bat. We'll, a, get, we'll, 
We'll give people something to look forward to on episode two. I'll, I'll go over all the copyright stuff with you. We'll do it on the opening. For the Fantastic. I need people to see this video. And then I need a soundboard full of stuff from it. I was telling you, there is a part where he goes, yes. And that's like my favorite part of the song. And I just want that. Just that. Just yes. Just I, because I need that encouragement on my podcast. I I, I, <laughs> I messaged you, do you listen to live music? And you said... You did. Does no, Billy, you said live rock albums. Live rock albums. I said, does Billy Joel's album count? Because I, I did it, listen to live music. It's the Billy only Joel. one that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I listen to like Van Halen with David Lee Roth, his front man. Yeah. And I've listened to some of the Sammy Hagar like little clips. And their little in-between things make me so happy, even yeah. if they make no fucking sense. Uh, uh, Sammy Hagar uh, is about to sing this song called Love Walks In mm -hmm. and they're all wearing genie pants in this <laughs> concert film for some reason and they and it's the it's like a hundred thousand people it feels like that it's everyone screaming it's high definition film and he's like this is the first song we wrote together and it really you know, put us together as a band uh, I just really love this song this, uh, this Love Walks In and then he just like takes a second and goes, it's about aliens. <laughs> and <laughs> they, they start the song and I was like, the balls to be the new <laughs> front man. <laughs> like, I got a song. I've got an idea. Van Halen. <laughs> and and uh, I listened to the song and it, it just made me so happy. Oh, God. And the way he, like, I feel like that's almost like uh, explaining a joke after you do it. Like, uh, you just, I'm going to do this song, just so you know. It's about aliens. Like, that's. <laughs> and there's, there's so many hints in the song that I never picked up. That's so funny. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I, what's the, there is a song. God, I can't even think of who it is or what it is. It is like a classic rock band or whatever and it ends with what's so civil about war anyway guns and roses <laughs> civil guns war. and roses guns and roses which i fucking love guns and roses. i tried oh, to yeah. kill myself to november rain but that's a di for a different story for a different day um <laughs> yeah episode three <laughs> we'll talk about uh my journey through uh trying to kill myself it's it it's it was the only song long enough you know <laughs> that i could take all the pills was it when um, the orchestra kicked in or was it when, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't fucking know. No, really. It was just like, honestly, like that was just the song I was listening to all the time at that point, because I was like, I was just like heartbroken and, and like, uh, it, I, it was fucking stupid and dramatic and I love it. I love, uh, that, that that's the song, um, but guns and roses, they are this kind of corny, like, I love them. Yeah, I love them. Same. But that 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 ending, is it's just so funny to me. What's so so about war anyway? <laughs> what? I love. A like he really thought he did something there. He really thought he said like the smartest thing anyone's ever said. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those comics that they are. They have a stadium filled with people, and they've made like the dumbest non-point. Yeah. About nothing. <laughs> Girls get drunk and they're weird, huh? Yeah. And you're like watching people fall over and you're not laughing and they walk away like, yeah. <laughs> I really I really took that art form to a fucking new level. <laughs>
dumb shit. I do have a drunk girl bit that's very good, though, on record. I just want that on record. It's on my album. Uh, uh, what's your album called? Uh, Civil War by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to give you a plug, Gary. Uh, it's called Yellow Belt Confidence. It's unavailable on all the things. My record label, I think, went out of business. So uh, go to deadmellow.com and see if they're around. Can I say this about Gary? Everybody loves Gary, comedically. Yeah. Gary's one of the people that everybody uh, unanimously agrees is hilarious. So I literally, should go check out his album. I told him, I told him um, earlier, because he told me that he didn't think that I liked him when we first met. And I was like, everyone says that because I'm just intimidated by everybody. But specifically, all I had heard about was how funny Gary was. Mm -hmm. So when I met you, I was just like extremely intimidated, which I guess came off as not liking you, which I need to work on. Cause I feel like I'm just, I'm just so intimidated by everyone that I'm like, mm -hmm. I shouldn't talk to them because if I talk to them, they'll think I'm stupid or they'll like, they'll be annoyed. Like I'm going to annoy them. But then it just comes off as I don't like them. Yeah, you don't like them or yeah. you think you're better than yeah, them. Yeah. But it's, issue. it's just insecurity. Yeah. Like I think everyone is too cool for me, but it I guess that makes them think that I think I'm too cool for them. And that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. I, I stepped away from that. I got to, be Rickles. I gotta, yeah, yeah. I'm not fucking, I'm fucking around. With this. So many comics told me stories about like, like this one kid uh, who does comedy now in Boston. He's like, Do you remember the first time I met you? And I was like, Oh, God. <laughs> He's like, You were recording your album at Great Scott. You got off stage. It was such a great show. And the first thing I said to you was, Hey, man, that was great. I'm thinking about doing comedy. Do you have any advice? And you said, don't and then walked away <laughs> and i was like that's a great line though <laughs> uh, you know, you're on fire yeah like invincible don't don't interview me <laughs> yeah please yeah. like I, I let me enjoy the hour of solid hard there's nothing harder than stand-up well, comedy i also feel right? weird when people ask me that because i'm like i'm not qualified to give you advice like i feel like a fraud giving people advice so when people ask me that i'm like i don't know mm. do open mics which sounds like a like it sounds like like i feel like everyone says that it's just like just do open but i'm not saying it in like a shitty snotty way like i'm saying it like I, I've no, I, there's nothing I can tell you that's going to make or break what you're doing because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing either. None of us know what we're doing. Yeah. I, I said like, I wish I took a class because I, yeah. once Classes I, really, once I did, I found friends that continued on comedy. I learned joke structure from a guy who had been doing comedy a long time. I feel like a lot of comics are like very against that. Yeah. And they're, they're all wrong. That's yeah. Why, yeah. A lot of comics flounder. For, it's like there's right. this thing where people are like, got to do it for 10 years. And it's like, you know, I bet you a class would probably cut four years off of your probably. life. If you got the right teacher. If yeah. you got the right teacher who told you how to do open mics and what to what you're supposed to like, accomplish. Theater isn't, is not is much of a craft as stand-up comedy. Well, so it's yeah, performance yeah. and writing. and But yeah. only like you're making the script. You're doing your own choreography, your own costuming. All your fucking things are done by you. Uh, uh, one person alone and like theater is treated as like such a you need to get into this idea you need to physically embody you need to you know vocally express all these like layers in schools and i was like well that's just as like very similar to comedy in ways so they go to schools for it and there's thought of performance and writing and direct and all that shit comedy should have the same thing but comics i think can poo poo shit that's 
uh, you know, anything they don't do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I just, like, I never took a class, but I was a Jungle Cruise skipper at Disneyland <laughs> for a while before. That's awesome. I did comedy, and so I, I wasn't writing my own jokes, although sometimes I would add in my, like, own whatever spin to it, but, like, I was doing, like, Disney-approved jokes, but I was doing them, like, it was doing like seven minutes over and over and over and over and over uh, like every day. Yeah. And that I learned timing, like, cause you could do, I learned that you could do the same jokes different ways with different cadences with different and uh, to either, and either they would laugh or not. Like I learned kind of like cadence and, and, and that kind of and timing and all that kind of stuff just through that. Yeah. And so, like, I was thinking, because I remember one time seeing someone straight up doing another comic's jokes at an open mic. And I was like, that person is stealing that person's jokes. But you know what? Like, it might have just been, like, a new comic who just had to start by going up and reciting someone else's jokes, which honestly is fine. Because I think, I think that is a good way to practice if you're not necessarily ready to write your own material and you just want to get down even if you like said someone else's jokes your way, like a different way, maybe not go out and do it in front of people and pass them off as your jokes. Like maybe be like, this is this person's jokes or whatever, or maybe just practice someone else's jokes in front of them or whatever. Get like a tour guide job. I mean, something yeah, like that's that. what something I did. Or you can like just do street jokes or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like I do think that practicing any joke, like just to get, cause you, you do realize that you can say the same joke 20 different ways and it'll work one way and not another way. Oh, yeah. And I really like, I didn't even realize that I got that from working there. And then like, cause when I started stand up, people were like, there's no way that you're new. You're not new. And I'd be like, yeah, it's like my, it, like I've only been doing it for three weeks, but really like if I was being honest with them, I, you know, I did craft, have craft a work. couple years of, yeah. you know, being performing doing not just performing but I was specifically doing jokes and trying to make people laugh and uh yeah so I think anything where you're yeah like any kind of practice or anything that you can do before actually starting doing stand-up comedy like uh, the tour guide stuff I I was a colonial reenactor downtown Boston for like seven years so you're dressed funny People fuck with you, and you have to tell 90 minute like, of history. So if you did a 90-minute outside show, all weathers, and that, like, made me kind of, like, strong as a performer and pacing and all these other things and have jokes. And then you have to roll with these moments because it's not all, like, because <laughs> there's some serious shit. There was a uh, – there's an Irish potato famine memorial in, like, downtown Crossing Center in Boston, and it's this family – it's a weird statue. It's one healthy family that's like walking by a family that their ribs are popping out and they're reaching towards God, screaming for like relief as they hold their dying children. And because I, there was no potatoes, because there was no food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone put a piece of pizza in the statue's <laughs> hand that's reaching towards God. So I'm doing this like with my back to it. I didn't <laughs> that's know. That's a good fit. <laughs> Really and I'm just like, you know, over maybe a million people died, and people were like, yeah, yeah. And then I turn around, and it's, 
this huge fucking head. Some, a, a fresh piece of pizza. Oh my God. And I just looked at it and I was just like, normally there's no pizza in the <laughs> statue. But, um, and you just had to like fucking roll with these yeah, things. Yeah. And I just had to like swim in the moment and address it. And like, you know, you get these live things that make you not exactly a stand-up comedian, but ready for that environment. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything else that you want to plug or? Just Kirk Cameron, his uh, religion. <laughs> <laughs> streaming service. Um, Social media. Uh, at Comedy Gary P on all the things. Um, yeah, come out to a live show. I'm on the, I'm the East Coast doing, you know, shows here and there all around the country. Yeah, if you're in Boston or in that area, yeah. um, definitely check out a live show that, that Gary's on. Um, hopefully not for long. Hopefully we can get him to move back here. You know, I'll go kidnap him. Um, but, uh, yeah, and listen to his album. He's fucking one of the funniest comedians. You got I love him and uh yeah. Love you too. Thanks for doing the first episode. Yeah. Hell yeah. I feel like this worked. I this think it did. Good. This was fun. Yeah. I love you, Gary. Love you too, Nicole. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's so civil about pods anyway? <laughs> Everything hurts. Everything hurts. Everything hurts. Fucking life sucks. Everything hurts. Everything hurts.